Well, good morning, Word of Grace. Man, I just want to give a shout out and a big thank you to Rob for playing the bagpipes for us uh, this morning. Can we just let him know we appreciate him? Man, Rob, that was fantastic. If, if that didn't move you this morning, you might want to do a little check just to make sure you're okay. Man, so good to see all of you here this weekend. Um, looking forward. I know most of you uh, may have some great Memorial Day plans, and I know my family and I do. It's just uh, I had a beautiful day yesterday and just a beautiful day today. We're just so grateful that God's just been so good to us. We have been over these past few weeks in a series called Radical. And in this series, we've been going through this idea that God has not called us to this casual commitment, that we have not been uh, casually called, and Jesus never casually called anyone. He always called us to a radical commitment. As we look back at the history of the life of Jesus with the disciples, and we see that when he told them, hey, come follow me, he was asking them, are you really serious about this? And I believe he's asking us that same question today. So if you're a note taker, you can write this title down, Radical Power. And before, a lot of you that grew up in my generation um, immediately think it's some reference to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I promise it's not. But <laughs> Radical Power. Well, it might be a little bit. No, I'm kidding. Um, you know, the goal of the American dream is to make much of us, but the goal of the gospel is to make much of God. The greater the dependence that we have on ourselves, the more likely we are to be glory thieves. You remember a few weeks ago when I shared with you guys how God had convicted me about being a glory thief and how I, had, I didn't even realize it till he opened my eyes and showed me hey, you're actually making some of even the good things that you're doing about yourself, even the good attempts of trying to do good, God-honoring things, at the end of the day, when your heart is exposed, you're really making it about yourself and you're a glory thief. And the scripture's clear. God says, I will not share my glory with anyone because the glory of God is reserved for him, him and him alone. You and I don't deserve it. We uh, definitely uh, can't be people who are pursuing it in light of being a radical follower of Jesus because the end of our lives really needs to be truly for the glory of God. So we think about oftentimes how we've really worked hard on stuff, how we've come up with a good plan, a good strategy. And I'm all for plans. I'm all for strategy. I think there's wisdom in that. But I also think that in our day and age that we need to learn one thing that Christ talked to us very specifically about, and that is to have a greater dependence upon the Holy Spirit. Because the more likely that we are uh, uh, depending upon the Holy Spirit, the more likely that it is we're going to actually be filled with that power of God, that radical power that is going to bring glory to God, not our ability or our strategy, to where at the end of the day someone can look back and go, oh, wow, that person's really smart, or oh, wow, that person has a great strategy, or oh, wow, that person must be really good at planning and executing. No, maybe that person is just a bozo who can't tie their shoes, you know, but at the end of the day, God did something special with that person and through that person. And we see these types of stories all throughout the Bible, don't we? We, don't, we, we have this idea that all these people are just these awesome superstars that we're supposed to pattern our lives after, and that's not the truth at all. 
The Bible is not written to give us all these examples of people whose pattern we're supposed to follow. The Bible is to show us about how God used ordinary, messed up people just like you and me, and He did great things in them and through them, ultimately for His glory. And He's still wanting us to see that to this day. So that way it brings glory to God, not to our ability, not to our strategy. Because radical power requires something. It requires a radical dependence upon God. Why? Why do we want the power of God in our lives? Why would we even want that in operation in our lives? Well, folks, it is because only the power of God can change hearts. Our strategies can't. Our best efforts can't. A great sermon can't. A great outreach effort can't. Those things are good, and we have responsibility to do certain things that God has enabled us to do. But at the same time, we can't change hearts. All we can do is what the Apostle Paul said when he was correcting the church in Corinth when they were wondering whose baptism was more important. Some people were baptized under this one guy who had this really cool name, Apollos. You know, and then some people were being baptized by Paul, and they were like, well, I was baptized by Paul. I was baptized by Apollos. He said, listen, guys, Apollos plants, maybe I water, but at the end of the day, it's God who gives the increase. It's God who actually makes the thing happen beneath the surface that needs to happen. We can't do it. If we try to do it, you want to know what that's called? Manipulation. And I don't want to be somebody that's trying to manipulate heart change in another human being. I don't care if that's my spouse, my kids. I don't want to brainwash people in order to think a certain way or to value certain things. But at the same time, I also have another challenge because I don't want to be a manipulator, I don't want to be a brainwasher, but I, I don't really have the ability to change their heart, and I want to see people change too. So I'm caught in the crossroads because I want to help, but I don't want to manipulate. I don't want to use fear tactics, I don't, and that's what some people do, and, and, and you'll hear you know, ministers all the time, they'll use fear to try to manipulate heart change. Fear, 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 because they're trying to get people to act a certain way and do certain things, or they'll use bribery. Well, hey, if you do this, God will do this, and God will do that, and everything will be great. Oh, if you would just do this, and they use both of these methods to try to cause heart change, and it doesn't work. Because you and I don't have the power to change hearts. We don't have the power to change lives. We can plant, we can water, but we have to trust the Holy Spirit of God to do what only He can do. But here's the beautiful thing. He wants to work in you and through you to accomplish what's going to bring God glory. And what is going to cause God glory? When lives are changed when relationships are reconciled to God, where people are, are who were so sinful, so disconnected from God, so far away from God, become close. I can't bring a person close to God. You can't bring a person close to God. But the Holy Spirit can. And the Holy Spirit wants to work in you and through you to be able to do that. This is solely the power of God. And then we need to really recognize what is within our power to do. Because there are things, I don't want us to get away from this and go, well, if God doesn't do it, I'm just going to sit on my couch and, you know, just eat popcorn and just wait for God to do all this stuff. Well, that's great, but you also have a responsibility in this deal. You have some things that God has gifted you with, some purpose, some plan, some things that He's enabled you to do, some relationships, some influence where he's put you in certain spheres and certain circles of influence. And God has done that strategically and, 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 and intentionally. 
And he's wanting us to recognize that he's wanting to operate and use us in those areas. So there are things we can do. And we need to ask ourselves, what are my responsibilities? And here's the responsibility of the follower of Jesus, the radical follower of Jesus. Are you ready for this? Stewardship. That's your responsibility and my responsibility. Not to cause it to grow. We can't make it grow. We can't make people change. You can't change that family member. You can't change that friend. You can't change that boss. You can't change that coworker. I know you wish you could, but you can't. What can you do? You can steward the responsibilities and the influence that you've been given by God with the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to manage well what He's given you and live very intentionally, live very much on purpose. That's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3, 6, and 7. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So it's neither he who plants nor he who waters that's anything, but rather it's God who gives the growth. Paul's saying, listen, I'm not making much out of me. I'm making much out of God. I'm not making much out of Apollos. I'm making much out of God, but I do have a responsibility. I need to plant. I need to water, but God brings the growth. So the thing that we have to recognize is that we have to invest the right things in the people that God's given us influence with to be the type of people God's called us to be. That's personal responsibility. That's our attitudes. That's our behavior. That's the things we allow to come out of our mouths and the things that we don't allow to come out of our mouths. That's the attitudes of our heart in which we live our lives with, the way we treat other people. That is part of our responsibility to make sure that we're investing the right things in ourselves and in those around us. And we need to make sure that the environments are conducive to being able to do that. Because think about how intentional. I'm, I, listen, <laughs> I don't have a green thumb, okay? Just trust me. Like, uh, hey, okay. So I buy the kinds of plants that like, it's almost a guarantee they're coming back next year. Um, I think they're called weeds. I get those <laughs> because if I get weeds, then I know for sure they're coming back. But man, I, I mean, every time I buy something, oh, that's so beautiful. Come with me to die. <laughs> you know, <laughs> as, I, as I take it home. <laughs> but but, uh, but I... I I see the intentionality that people who are really good at that stuff, I mean, people who just have beautiful flowers that they care for, man, such a deep degree of, of intentionality and care, just enough light, just enough water, just enough right nutrients and all the different things that I need to put around it. I need to make sure that it's in this type of environment. I need to make sure it's surrounded by these types of things. And people who are really good at that stuff get it. They understand it. Why do we not understand this in the spirit as well? Because this translates. You want to have a healthy marriage? You want to have healthy kids? Make sure that that environment is conducive for that. Are, are there the right things being invested in those relationships? Are you investing the right things at work to be a healthy employee? Are you investing the right things in those around you to help make those deposits? Remember, you can't bring the change. You can't guarantee the change just because you do, do these things and it's not going to work on your timetable. That's when we get frustrated. Well, God, I, I, I did all the things that, that I thought I was supposed to do. I did all the right things. Yes, you can plant, you can water, you can steward, but you can't change other people. Are you hearing me? 
And we've got to get this, but it is our responsibility to make sure that we're investing, creating the right atmosphere, being consistent, and then God does the heart work that only God can do. Let's go over to Luke chapter 11, if you have your Bible this morning. Oh, and just a heads up as you're turning there, if you have the Bible app on your phone, version, we always put out a live event on version that you can follow along. When I uh, write my notes and put all that together every week, we always make a version of it that we put on the Bible app. All you got to do is go to the menu, look for events in your area, and you'll be able to find Word of Grace, and you can follow along um, there as well. It's a really neat tool that you can utilize. Luke chapter 11 and verse 1, we're going to start off here with the Lord's Prayer. Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he'd finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, um, give us each day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. First of all, who is this friend, right? Don't come knocking on my door at night wanting bread, Okay. <laughs> Just don't do that. A friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I've got nothing to give him. So I've got a friend. He just popped in, and I'm like, oh, man, I didn't have time to go to the store. I don't have anything to give him. Can I have some bread from your house? Verse 7. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything, his friend because of his, his impudence, his consistency, his persistence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil... <laughs> okay, so Jesus is saying, listen... <laughs> If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Jesus is teaching His followers here how to pray. He's saying, listen, guys, this is how you pray. I'm going to give you kind of a path, a pattern, that when you pray, pray this way. And then He goes on to teach them about gifts. Now you, and, he, and He's talking to them about persistence and asking, and that when we ask, something good is going to be given. And then he transitions from teaching them how to pray to the persistence of prayer, and he ends up revealing that the Father will give this amazing gift of the Holy Spirit if we're willing to ask. And the Holy Spirit's power is available if we will simply ask. We need to ask, Holy Spirit, use me. Give me the gifts that you want me to have. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 1, he said, earnestly seek and desire spiritual gifts. We need to ask, Holy Spirit, I want, I want to be endued with power. I want, to be, I want to be given the gifts that you want me to have to be able to accomplish the most good that's going to bring glory to God. And he said, ask. He wants us to ask. He wants us to, to, to be persistent. He wants us to say, Lord, I want to be used by you because there should be something in the radical follower of Jesus that recognizes because I was saved by grace, it's not any good thing within me 
that I get to be called a son or a daughter of God. It is only through Christ alone. And when I recognize that, it helps me to see I have a dependence on God thing going on that is so real, that's so deep, that I have to depend on Him as my hope for salvation. But it shouldn't stop there. Not only do I have dependence upon God as the hope of my salvation, but I should also depend on God through the Holy Spirit to do through me what he needs me to do in this life. Because it's not like God's like, I'll take care of the salvation thing, you're on your own with the rest of it. It wasn't like Jesus came and died on the cross and then ascended into heaven and said, good luck, see you later, it's going to be tough, sorry, I'm out. (laughs) No, he said, actually, I'm going to go away and it's going to be better for you. What on earth could be better than Jesus being here present in the flesh? He said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to do in you and through you what you could never do on your own, just like Jesus did for us what we could never do on our own, and that is paying the penalty for our sin. Now the Holy Spirit wants to do in you and through you what you cannot do to accomplish the most good, to bring the most glory to God in this lifetime, to make the biggest impact on eternity. So we shouldn't think this thing is contingent upon us and our ability We need to get over ourselves, really. And we need to stop thinking, oh, I'm so great, so-and-so, so so gifted, oh, so-and-so, such a good speaker, such a good singer, they're such a gifted person who has this gift of mercy, oh, they're this wonderful person, I'll never be like that. You're exactly right. You will never be like that because you're not supposed to be like them. Just like you're not supposed to go out through the scriptures and go, oh, I need to learn to be like David, need to learn to have the patience of Job, need to learn how to have the, you know, the, 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 the courage of Joshua. No, you don't. You need to be like Jesus because Jesus is better than all those guys because all those guys were flawed just like you and me. I don't want to pattern my life after flawed people. I want to pattern my life after the only perfect one who ever walked this earth and gave his life for me, and that's Jesus Christ. And so as I look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith, he has authored it, he has started the process, and he is going to see this thing through, that he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. And he wants to work in you and through you. But are we asking? Or are we going, I I got saved, I'm good, you know, no I'm going to heaven, I guess I'll just be a, a good neighbor, be a nice person. I'll just, you know, help the old lady cross the street. I'll, uh, you know, do a, do a little grass mowing for the neighbor occasionally, you know, let them know, hey, I do good things because I follow Jesus. No, 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 I, I need you, Holy Spirit, to do in me and through me what I can't do because I know you're calling me to things that are going to stretch me beyond what is comfortable. Because God never goes, hey, Don't worry, this is going to be the easiest thing you've ever done in your life. Come follow me. He never says, it's going to be super easy. Guess what? Everybody's going to love you. Nobody's going to criticize you. No one's ever going to challenge you. You just come follow me. Jesus Christ, let's go. (laughs) That's not how it works. He said, actually, come follow me, and things are going to get really tough. There's suffering attached. And did you know that those who were in the early church, that they actually longed to suffer for the sake of Christ because they counted it as joy and an honor 
to suffer with Christ. It wasn't like they were going, oh no, I hope I don't have to suffer. They were going, sign me up for suffering. They wanted to suffer. Actually, when a child was born or, or, or if they were being persecuted, they would hope that even a child would be persecuted because they would say this would bring glory to God and it would broaden the testimony because they knew that the earth wasn't the goal. They knew that now wasn't the goal. They knew eternity was the goal. And so they would say, maybe this child will be able to give their life for Christ. Because they took it seriously when Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. In other words, they were so dedicated, so radical, so committed, that death they knew was not the end of this journey. And they took that seriously. They knew that this life was just a vapor. They knew that this was a temporary deal. And they weren't living for now to store up in their houses treasures for themselves. That's the message that we get fed today, that, that if we just have all this stuff, then we're doing so good. And Jesus is saying, no, actually, if you love your life, you need to lose it for my sake. That's radical. It's not just a bumper sticker, folks. It's not just something cute that you can have on a T-shirt. Jesus is saying, I'm worth it. I'm worth it. And he's trying to help you and me see that he's worth it. And then we say, I want to follow you and I want to live for you. I want to do everything I can to serve you and to make, impact the most lives for eternity. Good, well, you can't do it on your own because it's not about you. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to do this. And the Holy Spirit's power is available if we simply ask. Otherwise, you're leaving this thing up to your abilities, your results. And guess what? If you want to try to do it your way, God will let you and you will get your results. I don't want Derek's results because ask my wife, I'm not that great. She'll say I'm great about certain things in life, but man, I, I'm not a perfect person. You see, we have a lot of smart people in this room and a lot of smart people that are watching online. And all you people have, a, have gifts, you have abilities. And Jamie shared last weekend about how we should be using our gifts for the glory of God. And we do that by depending on God's power to work through us. We start depending on God's power by asking the Holy Spirit to work through us, to do what we recognize we cannot do on our own. Folks, we must have a greater dependence upon the Holy Spirit. So the question I want to ask us today is, are we persistent in asking and creating this dependency upon God, or are we trying to do this in our own strength? Because I guarantee you, if you're trying to make all this happen in your own strength and you think that the end result is up to you, you are probably very discouraged, very depressed, very frustrated because you're depending on yourself to make this happen. You're depending on yourself to open doors. You're depending on yourself to get the promotion. You're depending on yourself to fix the marriage and fix the relationship. You're depending on yourself to get that wayward child to come back and to repent and come back to the Lord. You're depending on yourself to be able to get yourself out of whatever situation that you may be in. And we've got to stop depending on ourselves. And we have to start depending on the Holy Spirit and saying, I need you, God. This whole thing is about depending upon another because he is so great and so awesome that he has done so much for us that we don't even realize that if we say, Lord, I need you. I not only need you as the hope of my salvation through you sacrificing yourself on the cross, I need you to live out this daily life. I need you to help me to accomplish the things you have created me for. And I ask you 
for your power, your ability, your gifts, Holy Spirit, to do in me and through me what only you can do. He said, if you ask for the Holy Spirit, it's just like you being an evil person, even knowing how to give your kids good gifts. Somebody asks for bread, are you going to go, here's a snake? <laughs> okay. No, that's not how this thing works. He said, you know how to give good gifts. He uses this extreme hyperbole to say, listen, you know how to give good gifts. How much more then do you think that God, who loves you so much, is going to give good gifts to his children like a father knows how to give good gifts to his children? You see, I think that we have to remind ourselves that this is not about us. Are we persistent like that friend? Hey, wake up. I need some bread. I got a friend over the house. Go away. Me and my kids are asleep. What are you thinking? I got to have this bread, man. I need bread. It's like 2 a.m. And you know how it is at 2 a.m. when you wake up and you go and you want to make a bowl of cereal and you don't have anything and need some bread. They just keep knocking. And he goes, you know what? This is my friend. I do need to help him out. He said, you, you understand these basic analogies. Where's your persistence in your dependency and the recognizing that you need him, that I need you, God, every moment. I need you to do what you've called me to do. I can't depend on my giftedness. And ooh, the danger is when we start thinking it is because of us that we've gotten to where we are in life. The danger is when we think, oh, the reason I'm sitting in the position I'm sitting in is because I'm so great. So many people have told me I'm great. You're so great. You're so awesome. You're so great. Man, you can do this and this and this. You're so good with numbers. You're so good at singing. You're so good at with your just cheery personality. You're so good. And we start going, you know what? I am pretty good. And we start thinking that it's because of us that we're sitting where we're sitting. You're so smart. You're so attractive. I, I, we all hear that one, right? I mean, <laughs> we hear these things, these compliments, and we begin to believe our own press. And we begin to believe all of these positive things to the point to where we get our eyes off of Jesus and onto ourselves, and we think that somehow we got ourselves to the position that we're in. And let me tell you, that's why we won't ask for the Holy Spirit's power. That's why we're not asking for a greater dependency on God and putting our, 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 our hope even further in the Lord to, to help Him to guide us and, and, and lead us step by step on this journey. We just want to ask Him to bail us out of the bad stuff. That's what we do, and that's how we treat God. And He's like, no, 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 I, I'm not, yeah, I care about you getting bailed out of the bad stuff. I want to I help you with that, but listen, I'm just not your breaking case of emergency guy. I'm just not your get me out of this situation, make it all better, and then, whoo, now I can start depending on myself again because, whoo, it was getting scary there for a minute. <laughs> Thanks, God. No, he wants us to depend on him to do what he's created and called us to do, not just bail us out of the tough stuff. Amen, somebody? I'm preaching better than y'all are shouting today. <laughs> you see, self-sufficient people are at heart glory thieves and doubters. Well, let me say that slow so I can say that some more. Somebody needs to hear that today. Self-sufficient people are at heart glory thieves and doubters. How do I know this? 
because I are one. As I look and examine my own heart, my own life, where does this glory thief and where's this doubt or where's this stuff come from, man? It comes from self-sufficiency. We doubt the bigness of God to change us or to change our situation. But here's what Hebrews 11:6 6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So who does our confidence and strength rest on? If our confidence and strength comes from a dependence on God's power, then we wake up in the morning expecting God to do big things in us and through us for his glory. It's almost like this supercharged outlook on life that is anticipating and looking for opportunities to be used by God throughout the day. It's almost like you wake up and, and, and you spend time with the Lord and you're living a purposeful life and you're almost like, I'm looking for opportunities to use the gifts that God has given me to do the most good and to bring about the glory of God. And it's almost this supercharged energy and you recognize, Holy Spirit, I need you to do in me and through me what will bring the most glory to God and will do the most good to make the most impact on eternity. Help me to recognize the opportunities you've set in front of me and I'm not going to depend on my own wit, my own strength, my own smarts, my own intuition. No, Holy Spirit, I need you. I need you. I, it's not that I don't want to do this without you. I can't do this without you because I want to be the best steward, the best planter, the best waterer that I can. And Holy Spirit, you do the heart work in people that I, I can't do. You cause the change in them that I can't do. And, and sometimes that means maybe you spend time praying for others and you don't always have that sil silver bullet, that magic word that's going to open their eyes and make them go, oh, why didn't you say so? Oh, everything's so different. I have a new outlook on life. I'll change all of my poor behaviors and start doing everything the correct way now. No, it doesn't happen like that where we have that exact conversation to fix that situation. No, it's through planting and watering and planting and watering. Are you hearing me this morning? Planting and watering, planting and watering, being empowered by the Holy Spirit, planting and watering, doing what God has called you and empowered you to do. But radical people realize that they cannot change other people, but their confidence is in the fact that they know the one who can, and they want in. We're the ones who raise our hand, the radical followers of Jesus, and say, I want in. I want in. Jesus, whatever you're doing, I want in. I don't want to sit on the sidelines. I don't want to be a bystander. I want to be used by God. I want in. Holy Spirit, I ask you for your power to operate in my life because I need you and I want in on what you're doing because eternity matters more than anything else in this life. But this short span of now and the present that we have is going to impact eternity. So how are we stewarding that influence? You see, we want all in because we want to be a part of what God is doing and we know that God loves to do the impossible through average people with all kinds of challenges. Do you have challenges? Yes. Do I have challenges? Yes. Do we get it right every time? No. But the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, it's greater is He that is in me than he that's in the world. Amen? Amen. You see, I know the one 
who can do the impossible and loves to. He gave us a whole book of stories to read about how he does impossible things through average Joe people. Through people that you would go, oh, like that guy's going to get like thunder and lightning, right? Because he messed up big time. You mean he went and had a he went and, and, and had this lady's husband killed because he slept with this man's wife, ended up getting her pregnant, and so he sends him into battle and has him killed. Lightning's coming to that guy, right? Tomorrow. Oh, he's the man after your own your own heart. You're gonna make him a king? What he's he's gonna be a oh, okay. Oh, there's this other guy. He was out persecuting the church, persecuting Christians, right? He's arresting them, he's overseeing the stoning of Stephen. Thunder and lightning for that guy, right? Oh, you want him to write two-thirds of the New Testament. Oh, oh, okay. God loves to do the impossible through average people. And I see a room full of average people. That means God wants to do the impossible through you. Because you got average Joe up here on this stage. I'm nobody special. And God wants to do things in me. He wants to do things in you and through you. But it's not because of you, but rather it's in spite of you because he's given you his Holy Spirit. But are we asking? Are we depending? Are we saying, yes, Lord, I want to be a radical follower of Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, full of the gifts that you've given me to be able to impact eternity? Am I saying that? Am I, am I saying that with my heart? I mean, you're not saying it like some ritual or incantation. No, you're saying it because it's a part of who you are. It's not just words. It's the cry of my heart. God, I want to be used by you. And I know I can't do it in my own strength because God's purposes for you require God. If God's purposes for you don't require God, then you're missing the boat. You're, you're missing the mark. You're self-reliant. You see, we get to be used by God, and He's looking for us to lean in and depend on Him more. He isn't leaning in and depending on us. God doesn't say, I sure hope that that person gets their act together so I can accomplish my will in the earth. No. God isn't saying, oh, I really need that person to do that. Oh, don't go there, don't go there, don't, go, don't make that decision. No, 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 no. God's not nervous. Are you hearing me today? God is not nervous. He's inviting you in to get to be a part of this. This is a get to be a part of this deal. This isn't a I didn't deserve it. This isn't a I earned this. I worked really, really hard. I remember when I was able to, well, I may need to pause for a moment of silence before I talk about this because when I was a Milwaukee Bucks season ticket holder, um, When we renewed our season tickets um, a few years back, um, they had these tables out where you could um, go and uh, fill out the paperwork to renew, and you kind of got to pick where you wanted to sit and all this stuff, and they told you what the prices were going to be. And, well, we brought our kids with us, and so if you brought your kids with you, they, uh, they let your kids go and just shoot around on the court. How cool is this? Uh, my little kids are getting to shoot around on an NBA court, but guess what? My kids were this tall at the time. They did not deserve to be on an NBA court. They had done nothing to earn that spot. They just got to be there because they were with me and they were my kids. Are you hearing me this morning? You see, you can't think that where you're at is because of something you did. But I think that what we need to recognize is that even though I'm in a position, maybe that I didn't deserve to be in, I need to say, God, it's you. And it's because of you. Not because I was so great. I'm getting to do something that I, in my own ability, man, I couldn't do. My kids can't dunk, but they were getting to shoot. God loves to use regular people 
And he loves to do powerful things in us and through us. Amen? And he loves to put us in positions where it makes people scratch their heads. <laughs> really? <laughs> that guy? <laughs> yeah, and God's like, yeah, that's my guy. Are you sure? Yeah. See, Acts 4 and 13 says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were uneducated common men. And they were astonished. And they recognized that these men had been with Jesus. Oh, man. I could have just read that scripture and we could all went home. As you look at that, the boldness of Peter. Where'd that boldness come from? The Holy Spirit. That's where it came from. Because guess what? If you look at Peter, Peter, one of the things we remember about him is he actually denied Jesus three times when the pressure was on. And now he's being actually recognized for his boldness. That's because it's not Peter's boldness. It's the Holy Spirit giving him that boldness in that moment when he needed to speak the things to people that were going to change others' eternities and spread the gospel and bring the glory to God. And people were like, that's Peter. <laughs> you know, like high school dropout Peter. Uneducated, common, regular folk. And they're astonished at his boldness. And they said, this guy has been with Jesus. Is that what people are saying about you? Is that what people are saying about me? Is that what people are saying about people in this church? Are they saying that those people have been with Jesus? They're empowered by the Holy Spirit to do something different. There's something different there. They're just regular folks. They're just small business owners. They might be CEOs. They might be factory line workers. They might be greeters at Walmart. They might be stay-at-home moms. They might be school teachers. They might be mechanics. But there's something different about them. They've been with Jesus. I see something different in them. One of the consistent evidences of being empowered with the Holy Spirit of God as a supernatural boldness. As you read throughout the book of Acts, you can see recollections of times of people who were bold because of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, folks, for us to do what God wants us to do in this life, in this church body, in this community, in your family, it requires God. Mainly because you're not that great. And that's okay. Take the pressure off yourself because God is not depending on your greatness to accomplish his will. Are you hearing me this morning? God wants to do mighty things through you. But are you asking? Are you seeking? Are you looking for opportunities to say yes to God? Are you depending on him and stepping out in faith to do what he's putting on your heart to do? The radical call that he's called you and I to requires radical power. Because disciples of Jesus should be passionate about seeing hearts changed and eternity being impacted. Because these things bring glory to God. Amen, church? We were never expected to expand the kingdom of God in our own ability. We were never expected to change hearts by our own intellect or abilities. What we need is a greater dependence upon the Holy Spirit by simply asking. 
Will you pray with me today? Holy Spirit, we need you in our marriages, in our families, in our workplaces, in our neighborhood, in this church. We want to live radically and with boldness to do what God has created us to do. We recognize our inability. We recognize our limitations. So we need you to use us, to empower us, to lead us, Lord, to guide us, to give us the gifts we need to build up your church and to share the gospel effectively, to change situations for the glory of God, to change us for the glory of God, and to change others for the glory of God and to impact eternity. Lord, we need you to fill us, to empower us, to use us for the glory of God. And we are asking, Holy Spirit, move in us and through us for the glory of God and do what only you can do in every heart and every life. In Jesus' name, amen.